The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to another edition of Tag the Roll. This is your host, Mark Schindler. Joined, as always, by my good friend, co-host, and colleague, Jake Rosen. Jake, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I feel like we're getting back into the swing of things uh, with these episodes. I had to take a quick little hiatus last week, but 
I'm excited for what we have planned uh, from now through the draft. Um, going to be back with weekly episodes. We're, we're getting into the witching hour. The witch, it's, it's a bittersweet time. We're getting to the end of this cycle. We're going to kind of seeing all these scouting opinions come to fruition. It's also workout season. We are not going to cover workout season on here as far as I'm concerned, um, as far as uh, reacting to things. So things, certain stuff to be conscious of, but I'm excited. Um, finishing up school, it's basketball time, and I'm um, glad to be back with you. Yeah, no, it actually worked out perfectly because last week was like the busiest week of my life and I would not have that <laughs> for a pod. So it worked out all right. Um, what are we talking about today? So I wanted to dive into, and this is sort of so a quick little plug I recorded with Henry Ward uh, on the Playing in Space SIS podcast. We talked about heliocentrism, the offensive structure, which is revolved around one star carrying a heavy usage load and driving everything. And so to kind of, well, it wasn't planned. This These were kind of happened simultaneously, but Mark and I have been talking about the value of these complementary creators throughout the entire playoffs. And I, I think the NBA playoffs are super fascinating and like it's the highest level of basketball. And I did want to find a way to incorporate what we're both watching at night into and for you in the throughout the day as well. Um, incorporate certain, not philosophical, but like what's like reevaluating skill sets and identifying what, um, players are super valuable for teams. And we kind of both agreed on these complimentary creators and the list I kind of gave, I tried to stay away from the stars. So like, I didn't want to talk about a Chris Middleton or something like that. Um, the people I identified, feel free to add to the list, Tyler hero, Tyrese Maxey, Jordan pool. Obviously we're kind of like, they're kind of ascending into that upper echelon of players, but uh, certain guys that can play on and off the ball, they can provide release valves in, in terms of, when the ball is swung to them, they can keep the defense honest by attacking uh, as a scorer and as a playmaker. They can run second side actions, can even relieve your stars uh, by initiating the offense at times. So I kind of want to dive into this or to this player, the skill set that comes with it, and then talk about some t- potential 2022 suitors. Yeah. So I think the first thing I really want to dive into is talking about what makes them special or may, special, maybe the wrong way to put it, but like what makes them valuable secondary creators? Yeah. Because I think there are a lot of guys you could look at like a lot of times, uh, like what makes us interesting is like, you can look at guys who are like saying a flawed primary is the wrong way to put it. Like that sounds overly harsh and unfair, but like, if you look at somebody who's scoring at a super high volume in college, be like, okay, that, that, we're just going to put you in a smaller role and I'll translate into the NBA. And I think there can be some guys where you look at that for sure. But for what we're looking at, um, you know, looking at, okay, Tyler hero was not, if I remember correctly, Tyler hero did not leave Kentucky in scoring when he was there. Correct. I think that probably would have belonged to PJ off the top of yeah, my head. I was going to say, I don't think he led them in scoring Tyrese Maxey did not lead them in scoring either. Um, and Jordan Poole, I cannot remember when he was in Michigan, if we're being honest. But part of what makes them interesting is like looking at the elite skill that makes them uh, so valuable as a second creator. And I think some what's always interesting is like looking at like, well, can this guy be a primary? I think is always going to come up. And that's not really what we're here to do. Like it's more like for me, when I watch Tyrese Maxey, what works so well for him, like he still has a lot to learn in terms of passing reads, but what makes him so valuable is his ability to just absolutely gash defense on the second side. Like, especially watching the playoffs when, when the, the the Sixers are healthy and he's able to attack out of the slot. Like if he has a step before you slide, it's over. He's either getting free throws or he's at the rim. And that's an extremely difficult thing to deal with. Like, I think that's looking at 
you know, if, if defenses are trying to load up on stars like James Harden or Joel Embiid and just quick swing and points looking at Jordan Poole, like off ball movement is, is his swing skill that, and obviously like his, uh, his ability around the rim and contortion there is, is really special as well. But like, again, like somebody who can really beat you just by being uh, like, kind of like that article you wrote about, oh God, I guess that was last year already, but like having, you know, um, non-traditional athletic tools, like being somebody who is extremely slithery and, and moves well without the ball. And then like Tyler Hero was being a nuclear pull-up shooter. Like he's not an amazing athlete. His handle isn't anything like crazy, um, but he has enough of the reads because he's such a good pull-up shooter. So it's more like taking that lens. Okay. What are those skills that we think can translate to being a really good secondary player who can run some offense or just handle things off the second side like that? I love how you, we started this and laid the groundwork for taking these three case study players and identifying the completely different ways in which they win and provide value in this role, because I wanted to shift it away from like being archetype based. And then as you noted, identifying which skills could be useful and could really provide value to a team here working in this more second, like operating with these more second side responsibilities and dabbling as a scalable creator. Not, and like, combo guard it's interesting because yes these are like quote-unquote combo guards but they're not like chucker combo guards like yes hero is a big time pull-up shooter and jordan Poole has his fair share of heat checks but it, they don't necessarily are they're not like combo guards or at least the way i think of them they, they a lot of their stuff comes in the flow of the offense and yes it is electrifying pull-ups for those two guys maxi is definitely has his fair share of creation but there are different ways in which uh they can win i, I do want to hit on because I think if we're going to look at all of their college careers, Hero played a lot off the ball. Jordan Poole played a lot off the ball. And Maxi definitely played more off the ball than I think a lot of people would have liked. And I think this is something we're going to talk about, uh, especially as it pertains to some of the guys in 2022. But the value and usefulness that comes with learning how to play off ball, knowing when and how to attack closeouts being decisive attacking off them because a lot of this is process based. Like I think someone like Cam Thomas is in and like, I'm not saying the jury's out on Cam Thomas whatsoever, actually like did some really good things in his rookie year, but a lot of Cam Thomas scoring is isolation drawn out reads. It's not boom, boom, like quick stuff that is going to hit you and gash you in the flow of an offense and make the defense make bang, bang decisions versus someone like Maxi or a pool or even a hero when he's running second side actions. It's th these instant decision making. And I, I think that is kind of what I wanted to lead with is that we do often think it's easier to scale guys down. And I, I think that is true if certain skills are present and that we're going to talk about that one particular 2022 guy. But I don't necessarily think like this doesn't go to scaling up. Like I don't think Tyler Hero is necessarily scalable up in his NBA role from college. I think it's a lot of the same contextual stuff. Just he's really honed in on a certain as as as, as have all these guys have honed in on certain type of skills that make them so useful. Yeah, I think those are really good points. Uh, I guess I would just swing this to you too. I don't really have an answer for this one. Um, at least off the top of my head, but like, do you think it's easier to to get better at isolation or to be better to to learn how to become a better off ball player? So isolation in in to what extent? To being like effective enough where a, a coach is going to be like, I will let you isolate this possession. I think it's harder, it, despite what I just said. I think it is yeah. harder to be effective in 
isolation. Like just yeah. beating guys that's off exa- the bounce. That's, that's what I was hoping you would say. It is because really, I, I think yeah, it's, like, really difficult. <laughs> it, it's hard. It goes both ways. Like it's a, it's really hard to just teach a guy be good at re- relocating off the ball. Like I just wrote something about that this morning. Like Victor Oladipo is a really good off ball player, but it's taken him most of the season to get to a point where he's in the flow of the offense. And part of that is too, like coming from like, you know, multiple years of injuries and not, you know, skip, trying to find a way to scale down from being the number one and finding ways to, to toggle the more of an on and off ball role. But like, exactly. Like even a guy who does have pretty good feel for how to flow within an offense can take time to really figure that out. And that's with already having all those skills in his tool shed. So it's like, um, there it's 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 both like it's difficult to figure out how to do both for sure yeah so i think it's definitely difficult to figure out how to do both but this is why i think for the prospects we're going to talk about for 2022 i'm definitely not taking it lightly if you've shown the ability to win in isolation and Mm -hmm. also shown some proficiency off the ball to attack closeouts read footwork make decisions in a timely and efficient fashion Getting having the foundation of both of those things as a college prospect is like definitely not something I want to take with a grain of salt. And I, I think this is like a good segue into the 2022 guys themselves. And one guy in particular that we've both risen on a little bit, and that's Ohio State's Malachi Branham. Yeah. Uh Malachi, who we have talked about since the very first episode of this podcast. Yeah. Um he's take your victory so lap. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not trying to victory <laughs> lap. Uh, he surpassed everything I thought he'd be this year. So that's you know, I, what do I know? Um, I mean, what's so interesting about him is like, he's not really somebody who's creating advantages. Um, he's very much so somebody who's operating off of what's going on in the flow of Ohio state's offense. Like he played a lot off of two man games with EJ Liddell and operating more as a pick and roll guy. And like, that's where we saw his offense really grow was where he was able to start running pick and roll more. And when he was starting to command unders with, with regularity, he was able to get to his pull-up game. Um, and that was, you know, what really allowed him to blow up, but even then he still was not tops on that team in usage. So he definitely struggles to create hard set advantages. Like when he drives very rarely is he sending the defense into rotation Mm -hmm. to then capital. And I think that is part in which why the playmaking while it's gotten better is there's still a certain cap to it when it's, when he's operating outside of pick and roll, like when pick and roll, it's different because he has a certain, like, are you going to make the read or you're not going to make the read. And, which he often does to the roller, but we haven't really seen that like perimeter, uh, like where he's just spraying the ball all over the floor with Branham though. He's big. Like he has real positional size. I think this is something that like I find myself when I'm evaluating these types of players, a lot of times they're six two, six three, And I'm just like, damn, two more inches would like do a ton for you. And Malachi does have that. And another thing that I love about his, when he's attacking, he's super patient. He's like, he uses up fakes, has great footwork. So while he isn't necessarily creating advantages, he's very effective when attacking, especially with like a half a step, as we were talking about with Maxi. Like, obviously it's in a very different vein. He's not, he doesn't have the burst. He just doesn't have the contortion. Or I do think he's craftier on the rim, but yeah. definitely doesn't have the burst and explosion and first step that someone like Maxi does but he's very comfortable playing with guys on his hip. And then when he does get into that mid-range area, leveraging patience, shot fakes, footwork to kind of find the window where he can use size and craft to get that pull up or push out, whatever, however he's going to push the defense and score. So I do think he has a bunch of facets to his scoring, albeit they're not necessarily traditional. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's a good point. And I think a lot what 
what really hinges for him on the draft class and I think where most people are going to vary is how they feel about him as a shooter. Like for me, yeah, I love his shooting projection just based on the trajectories on the type of mid-range shooter he's been for multiple years now um, and how we already saw that, you know, kind of extrapolate out towards the back end of the year on what that can look like when he's taking shots from deep. Um, I will say, like, I think there are a lot of caps to who he can be as a shooter, though. Like, unless some flexibility comes into his hips, like, I don't really think he's going to be much of a mid-range shooter. I mean, not mid-range, not much of a, like, a, a guy coming off screens doing anything like that. Like, I think he's much more like, if he's going north-south, I could see him being a pull-up guy. Um, and I think if he's, you know, maybe if he, if, if he gets the opportunity to take, like, a hop step and get his feet set before, like, yeah, he could do something mm-hmm. off pin downs. But right now, like, his hips are pretty rigid in terms of what he can do, um, you know, getting into a shot prep. We're going to talk about the hips and just the overall flexibility with, as it pertains to defense in a little bit. I wanted to gauge how you felt on the catch and shoot shooting, especially from deep, because he's someone who's pretty interesting to me. Doesn't necessarily get a ton of them up. However, there are a lot of flashes and attempts, some makes, some very close misses where he's catching it and going right into it. Uh, sometimes not even really dipping that much. I'll just shot prep, catch, and ready to go. And then you contrast those clips with his uh, three points attempts per 100, which I don't have to know off the top of my head, but it isn't all that high if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And they don't really add up. So what do you think about his three-point volume? Is he going to be someone who's gunning them? Because I think that it also is a big thing for him. I, similar to you, I, I trust that he's going to be effective as a shooter. The mid-range pull-ups have been awesome this year. The touch is really good. And as you said, there this has been a long track record. This is not a one-stop shop with just his freshman year. But I do think three-point volume is going to go a long way to opening up the rest of his game, especially when it comes to attacking closeouts. Well, yeah, especially like I, I'm not going to – I don't mean like a comparison to Jordan Poole, but like uh, I think it's similar with him. Like, if he's not getting the shots up with the volume that he is, it's just not doing the same. Like, you're not getting downhill and being able to be crafty and do the things that make you interesting inside the arc. So, yeah, I agree. Like, that's going to be really important. Um, I guess for me, it would be how does the his off-ball movement come along? Like, I don't think that he's necessarily bad off the ball. Like, he can do some stuff in relocation. Like, he's smart in lifting, and it sounds minute, but, like, there are guys who aren't awesome at lifting in the corners. So, like – Seeing those things, that's good. But I still think he's pretty average as an, as an off-ball, um, like his feel for off-ball play right now. And I'm interested to see how that can improve, um, especially in a different offense. Like, you know, okay, if you're in a more uh, – not that he didn't have a defined role, but if you're in, like, say, a smaller role and you're just doing more things where, like, okay, your job is to really work on moving off the ball and make yourself available. Like, okay, how does how does he start to look as he as he gets time in that? That would be interesting to me because I do think that's that's going to be really important. Like you mentioned, though, he gets the shot up quick. Like, it's a solid release. Um, I like – I mean, he gets really good height on his jumper. Like, that's what makes him so interesting. Like, well, he doesn't necessarily get a lot of separation when he does get downhill. He's really good. Like, and he, he angles himself too really well. Like, he'll do like a shoulder dip down and then kind of rises up off of his hind leg into a shot that's just really damn hard to contest, especially for like – like you mentioned – positional uh versatility like matchup wise like if he's just up against like regular twos or smaller wings like let's say contavious caldwell popes on him or something who's a pretty good defender um like he's i i wouldn't say that he wouldn't be unbothered but like he'd be able to rise and fire over him like that wouldn't be an issue for him um so i mean that just brings into question like okay if you become a good enough three-point shooter 
you can create some issues for a defense if you are able to get inside the paint and force them to run, run you off the line because then, okay, if you do have somebody like a KCP on you or like um, even like Bruce Brown, like Bruce Brown's a really good defender, but like, again, if you can just get up over them, then that causes more, more issues for a defense and like, okay, what are we, do we have to do things to account for you differently? Like that's where you get really excited about what, what he could be as a, an offensive player. And he's not really bothered by these contests. Like I, I, he, I think the positional size is pretty real with him in terms of the skill set. And the last thing I want to hit on before just we brush over the defense real quickly is uh, passing. Where do you net out with him as a playmaker? Because I do think this this is like a potential. I don't want to say swing skill, but if he can take a leap here, this could definitely open up more avenues for usage and ways he could be deployed that make him just much more dangerous as it pertains to like being used within the flow of an offense, DHOs, um, pin downs, things of that nature, where he can leverage the tough shot making and kind of go away from being asked to create an isolation and bend defenses where he isn't exactly super strong at. Yeah, no, I uh, I feel pretty good about the passing, especially as the year went on. Like, I think you saw him – like, he's not elite at picking apart double teams or anything, but I do think, like, he's shown the capability to do it. Um, like, he's pretty good at um, – I want to say – I'd have to go back to my notes again, but I want to say he's, like, pretty decent at doing jump passes out of double teams. Like, he's showing some real capability to be, like um, – to get the ball off in a number of ways. Like, he's not an elite passer, but I think he sees the floor well enough and gets the ball where he wants it, where you feel comfortable, where – if he does get to, get to a point where he's starting to, to draw, you know, double coverage or extra coverage, you're like, okay, maybe a, I mean, that's a win. If you're a team, like if you're able to get somebody to draw too, then you're doing things right. Uh, for mm-hmm. the most part, like, obviously it's not one-to-one. Like, <laughs> um, maybe you just have somebody who is an absolute non-shooter on the court, but like, if you, let's say you have like five ideal personnel out there and you're drawing two, then yeah, you're doing something good. But um like I, I really like him as a pick and roll operator, especially getting downhill. Like he has some really nice dump offs around the rim. He had some really good stuff on lobs and I liked it at Ohio state as well. Um, it's stuff that I'm interested to see develop more, but I also think like, I feel pretty solid about him. Not somebody's going to be like, you know, leading an offense, but I also think that he's somebody I would like to see get opportunities like running a second unit, you know, as during his rookie contract, like, can you be somebody who does that? Um, a lot's going to depend on the shot making, but I think, pretty solid like I, I i think that there's a lot there last but not least we have to talk about the defense it's because yeah, no no well i i do just want to give like so as good as jordan pool is jordan pool has gotten cooked his uh kyle anderson fair. uh oh wow yeah kyle anderson murdered that man during game four or was that game five i can't remember i think it was game five whatever go, so, go on. But, <laughs> so no what i was getting at is that the value of these guys and the plus that you have when it comes to getting additional handlers that can space the floor and attack and just make your offense an absolute buzzsaw. They obviously have limitations as it comes to when it comes to overall contributions, if they're just bleeding it right back on defense. So I'm not saying that again, Jordan Bull is still a very, very good player and I'd love to have him on my team, but from a draft perspective, we do still have to evaluate these guys on defense. It still matters. And Branham, as you were quick to say, it ain't great. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm just not really sure what to think of it overall. Like, it's not good, like you mentioned, but I think, like, there are some – saying flashes would be doing it too much justice. Um, but, like, I think what does help separate him is he's going to be pretty strong as he grows into his body. 
like he's already fairly strong, especially on the offensive end. He really leverages that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that looks at the at the next level. But the screen navigation is a legitimate problem. Um, I don't think that the off-ball defense is like super destructive. Like I think he obviously a lot of like I'm 18, I'm making mistakes off the ball type shit, but I do think he showed like some proficiency to to help, like not in an amazing way, but I think like it's at least more of a I think that he can be at least serviceable. Um and like yes, he'll probably get targeted and stuff, but also it's mostly just going to be what happens with the screen navigation because it's um like we mentioned with the hips, it's more about his shoulders. Like he's really it, it's almost comical because shoulders. of how good he is at using screens offensively how bad he is at, at getting around screens on defense um it's not even that he doesn't see them he just like has no counters to get around them um i'd almost like to see him play with his arms more like uh can you like do anything before a screen comes to you and like a like one of the things that makes guys really good at, at blowing up screens or trying to get them is like getting your arm out ahead of the screen before the ball handler gets around the screen. Like, so that's something Victor Oladipo is really good at. Like, again, different class of athlete and different kind of player. But like, I think sometimes we're, guys will just look at it and be like, oh, well, they have great lateral quickness. So they get around a screen. And it's not even about that. It's more just like, do you have the counters to actually get around a screen? Cause it's sim- same thing with like watching football and, and, and edge rushers. Like it's not just being fast and, Bend. Being able to accelerate. Like, yeah, having bend is good. Like having, having bend is yeah. very good for Brandon. But yeah, that's uh, I just I don't think that's gonna be a thing. At least not, I mean, maybe something comes with it, but not a ton right now. Yeah, that tweet was inspired when I was watching Malachi Brandon, who has does not have a ton of bend. And I think this is an issue that pops up on the ball and off the ball, definitely when he's chasing uh off the ball as well. Mm-hmm. I think I agree with you. The off-all defense isn't good. Like it, I, I would struggle to say it's like I would, it's not good in the, in the sense that it's impactful, but I also don't think it's entirely detrimental. Yes, he has like a couple of defensive lapses and ball watching, but I, I don't. I've seen much much worse uh, in terms of like freshman guards. However, the other the the point that I was going to bring up is the screen navigation on and off the ball. Uh, the foot and the two areas that really popped me are the footwork and the shoulders. The shoulders just. Do not dip at all. It does not getting. It's not getting low. It's not bending his body. He's not giving himself any leverage. It's kind of just like running into the screen and then powering through. But by the time you already powered through, there's an advantage going on. So that that is something I'm really curious to see. Like if this improves uh, again, I'm just like not qualified enough to say how feasible it is to improve this type of stiffness. It, but it's definitely apparent on film, and I think is like a very uh, it's like an issue like that's definitely an issue for him and especially when he's going to be guarding quick guards in a in like a pick and roll heavy league where the floor is bigger the floor is more spread out and the advantage that he's kind of inheriting is more detrimental in the league than it even is in college yeah definitely so it'll be interesting to see um how teams handle that and how he's able to handle it um but i honestly i think uh, he's probably the guy I'm second highest on out of everybody we're going to talk about today. Um, who do you want to flow into next? Talk about Ty Ty. Okay. Cause I think so. Cause we actually, in our last pod, which was like two weeks ago, and I really hate flip flopping like this, but, uh, I said, I would take Ty Ty ahead of Branham uh, after watching waffling after, after a couple more games on each, I have, uh, flip flopped 
And I'm now, I think I prefer Branham's overall package when I think the cell is really similar for both of them, which is these pull-up shooters with big-time touch. I think I just prefer Branham's. Although Ty Ty's defense is definitely more sound, which we'll talk about and give him credit for. I think I prefer Branham's overall creation and just the positional size that goes with it. So, but let's talk about Ty Ty. Where where are you at? What are your feelings? Um, What are you looking for at the next level? Just kind of give the overall rundown as it relates to this role. Yeah, I mean, he's really like, I I, I think sometimes he gets undersold in the cycle, like, which sounds very straw man and annoying. I, I'll, I'll try and do that less, but I just think too much. Um, I like Ty Ty, like he does a lot, like his touch, he might have out of all the like, out of all the guards in classes, you have the best touch. I'd say so, probably, yeah. unless I'm like his, I mean, his floater I, I, and his I, range are just insane. So I think one, yeah, I think it's cool. still better than Branham. I think yeah. it's still better than Branham. Like, and that's what we'll say. Like, we, we both love Branham. But like, I think uh, to me, when I look at the two of them, it's like just kind of trying to figure out the paradox of like, okay, well, our, our buddy Ben Pfeiffer, who we've had on the pod, did a really great um, uh, YouTube video talking about, you know, looking at, mid-range touch off the dribble and and showcasing that into like uh shooting projection so i think you look at tai tai who obviously did not take like a super high volume of threes this year i think he took more than malachi but um like it's coming in and leveraging it being like okay well how much more do you value the size and brandon's release compared to well tai tai has shown better touch how is that going to relate as a shooter and i, I don't think that it's necessary like i i don't like it's one thing to be Sharif Cooper and it's another thing to be six foot three. So like that's, that does make it different, but does that factor in for you at all? Cause that's something that I definitely do think about with it. Like if Ty Ty was six, five, which we're doing some real mental math here, but like if Ty Ty was six, five, I would have him over Malachi. Like, I think that he's a, he's a little bit better of a passer. He's a better pick and roll operator. Granted he's quite a bit older. Um, but like, I think, it just becomes like very much so like this is kind of the thing that happens up with combo guards. Like if Ty Ty was like actually one, I think I would feel different about it. Um, but also I'll, I'll let you go because I have more thoughts off that. But well, Ty Ty, it's almost like Ty Ty was this guy I specifically had in mind, along with one of the other people people we're gonna pers- prospects we're gonna talk about today. As man, I wish this guy was two inches taller because. Tata and Branham largely face the same issues when trying to create. They are they get walled off. They're a lot of their looks are contested. They've tight like it's their it's operating in tight airspace. And I think Tai Tai wins a lot as a pick and roll operator where he gets drop coverage because of like he gets drop coverage and takes pull-ups. And I think that's a lot of where he wins. And Malachi does as well. But I just think the the windows that Malachi has to win because of the size and the, I think he's slightly more crafty. Like I don't think either of them are dynamic shot creators, but I do think Malachi has the size advantage and knows how to utilize it. While I do find that Ty Ty has some counters, some step backs, some handling moments, but not I don't I don't necessarily see it like the creation aspect of it translating to the next level. Whereas Branham, it's easier for me to see him winning in this unorthodox way because of his uh, comfort with contested jumpers. So Ty Ty, I think I end up netting out a little bit lower in the creation. I do think he's a sound playmaker. I think he's probably a little bit better than Branham as a passer. Like I do think he's a better passer than Branham, mm-hmm. but. The rims, so Ty Ty's touch is incredible. The floaters, the pull-ups, the rim stuff does worry me though. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Um, he is very rim averse. And I think one thing that's, that, that is uh, difficult and interesting to theorize and try and think through that I've thought about a lot too um, is like, I know a lot's going to be made of like talking about, you know, how Kentucky guards tend to show more in the NBA or, or, or this or that. And like, I, I do think that there is some credence to that. Um, I would also, my, my biggest hesitation is that I think a lot of people are going to do the, well, this is just very similar to Emmanuel quickly, like Emmanuel quickly had, uh similar issues like he wasn't necessarily like a high rim frequency rim pressure guy um and uh you know he was very similar like he just became he wasn't you know we're we're not calling him a point guard but this and that and like i get that but i think like i wrote about this earlier in the year what makes quickly so different to me and same thing with talking about tyrese maxi like having like even then like i wouldn't call quickly like an elite first step guy but he does everything so quickly which jesus uh, <laughs> joke right that's all the time but like legitimately <laughs> like i think and we've talked about this before too like what makes him and tyrese halliburton and guys who like embody traits that primaries have without necessarily being full-on primaries is the quick decision making and i don't want to say that ty ty doesn't make quick decisions but not to the level that quickly does in my opinion and, like not having that same first step and ability to like, even if quickly isn't getting to the rim all the time, he gets to the paint a lot, like a ton. And that's just, I'm not there with, with where, uh, uh, with where Tata is right now. I'm very happy you brought up quickly as the Knicks, the Knicks fan on this podcast quickly, basically wins for like a small frail point guard who doesn't get to the rim. He does it as well as you possibly could. And I think, a way two key traits that are one is absolutely the first step he's quick (laughs) like you can't like he is a legit bursty first step that enables him to get to that second layer where he thrives and can get to the floater so as you said he might not be getting to the rim he's getting to the paint and that's where he wins so he is individually offensive structure aside able to get to areas in the paint in which he wins consistently secondly and i think they kind of go hand in hand with each other his pull-up shooting audacity is absolutely one of the fuelers behind this you have to respect him once he crosses half court because he's gunning where from whenever wherever he's good at these deep threes and you have to respect it from a volume standpoint and that's kind of what i hoped i mean we've been wanting to see from Ty Ty throughout the entire cycle is just shoot more threes, like make the defense really 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 respect you and i think the volume is I do like he doesn't have mechanical issues. I think there is an, a path for Ty Ty to increase that volume, but it's just like where do, where does and I've been this is what I'm trying to think about where does the where do the avenues arise where Ty Ty can win individually and it doesn't have to necessarily be getting all all the way to the rim and self created rim attempts. We just said Brandon doesn't do that, quickly doesn't do that, but they're still effective players. For me, Ty Ty, I and I just like find that in these self creation modes or even attacking closeouts without a ball screen it can be a little bit tougher on like your average aggregate rep yeah no i think that's totally fair um and i i don't know again like it's it's something that like at least that's where i'm at right now like i think we're in in full agreement but like trying to extrapolate and figure out what that means at the next level is like I don't know, man. I'm still working through that. Uh, yeah, because uh, because I mean, he's still a as we said, he is the best such in the class. So he could still 
if the vo- if the three point volume takes an uptick, and now we're looking at a big time pull up three point shooter, someone who is comfortable working off pin downs because he did it with Cal all year long, is really effective in the mid range area, is a sound decision maker. That's the- and is a good defender as we're going to talk about for the position. It's a good player. Um, it's more so for me about if we're talking about high upside outcomes, where does that like, I don't want to call it low hanging fruit, but where is the attainable outcome? What are we like really reaching for that? I think we can improve on. And that's kind of what I'm struggling to see right now. Like, I think there's a very real chance that Ty Ty is a useful pro, but in terms of these complimentary handlers that are really moving the needle for your team, I think the issues that we brought up make it a little bit murkier. Yeah. Well, I think like where we're kind of getting at, like I watch Malachi Branham and I legitimately think he could be an all-star. Like that's why I'm so high on him with Ty Ty. I think so much would have to happen to where he's getting to that level. Cause um, I don't know. I just can't get there yet. Like he has to become this high of a shooter. I don't, I don't want to say that the stuff that he's going to have inside the arcs can be taken away, but it is going to be harder. Um Again, like, yeah, it is. And I, I'm not I'm not trying to sound like I'm, I'm waffling on pod, but like very much like I I don't know. I'm trying to think through it still. Like, I think personally, I buy what Malachi is going to be able to do, just having more size and, and where he's at with the release and whatnot. And we're not trying to compare them necessarily, but I just mean because like they're coming in a very sim- similar mold and people are going to ask, well, who do you have higher? Why do you have them higher? Like, it's kind of where we're at. Um, the defense, though, is a really good point to bring up. Because Ty Ty's defense was good this year. Like, I don't think he was amazing, but I thought it was pretty solid. Um, like, I think his hands are good. Uh, where are you out this screen navigation and just in general? I don't think that's the best aspect of his game just because he's not like, the best athlete. The stuff mm-hmm. that I really want, like his team defense, and he's a stout defender. Like, like I, he does a really good job of using his frame and strength on defense. And I kept, I keep wanting to see him use it on offense to kind of, displace guys off spots before getting to a mid-range pull-up or floater and there have been certain flashes of it which i clicked and instantly posted on twitter Mm -hmm. but i was more so impressed with the team defense and off-ball stuff for a 6-3 guard that he was able to make like i felt a legit impact on the game uh, sometimes throughout the year in digs and stunts um responsible rotations being able to guard up a little bit because of that frame so i did just want to give him credit for being a pretty sound and impactful defender in my opinion yeah no, i agree with that i do think uh it just gets interesting thinking about like lineup construction and everything it depends on the team like i think it like let's just say he's on the miami heat like i think that makes a lot more sense in, in what they do but like if he's in denver and they're having issues getting point of attack stops like that's not helpful. Like, uh, so a lot's just going to depend on, and like, I, I mean, again, I'm not trying to just do mental math or one guy that makes a difference everywhere, but I think that's part more of like looking at like, uh, this is why single, single big boards are, are confusing and don't make a lot of sense because guys are going to be different in each, 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 each situation for sure. Um, do you want to hit on anything else with Ty Ty before we move on? Um, no, I kind of felt like that was it. You want to talk about Hardy? Jaden Hardy. Yeah. So Jaden Hardy out of G League Ignite is one of the guys that I really uh, am struggling a little bit more to conceptualize in this class and where I'm at with him. Um, like so much of his game is based on and reliant with pull up shooters. Uh, he's had a shooting. Uh, he's had, I mean, he has the best handle in the class. He's had really good moments of getting into the paint. 
the finishing is just kind of the problem that we're at. And I think this becomes much more of the size equation. So where are you at with that? The handle's really good. It's just not as functional as you would hope it to be for someone in this mold with like the counters that he does have the burst. I I just find myself come walked away with like the burst and lift at the rim are just like really hindering to his over. Like he's a scoring guard. There's like no way around it. I think he has, I do want to give him credit. He's got, he's really um, grown as a playmaker throughout the year, like especially with these interior reads, which has been good to see. But overall, he's a scoring guard. But I just do worry the burst. And obviously, like it has to start with the shooting and shot making. Like if that doesn't come around, I think the entire cell just becomes a lot more difficult mm-hmm. considering that's really like you're not getting a prolific rim finisher while the passing is functional. You're not really getting a plus plus passer for your position either. You're banking if you're all the way in on him, you're banking on the shooting and just the shot making hitting to a pretty ridiculous extent. So I, w- I just wanted to, cu- I was curious how you felt he fits into this mold because I do find that a lot of times with G League Ignite, it's either like if it's a catch and shoot three, then great for him. If not, I do find that the possessions are a little bit drawn out and more ball stopped in then like rather than flowing, it's like a quick pick and roll. It's more like draw it out, call for a pick, attack, either take and then take like a pull up or kind of like the possession we're already in like a low clock situation. So I was just curious how you think he fits in this like complementary mold. Yeah. I think that's, what's tough with him. Like to me, he's much more of a combo guard than an off guard. Like, and that's uh, not meant to sound derogatory, but like, I think it's just in the, like, if he did some of the less ball stopping stuff and you could picture him more as like, and I, I do think like to his credit, like he had some good moments floating off ball I think he had so like he's a decent cutter um but it's just when he does get the ball I do think he does have a lot of ball stopping tendencies right now and I just am not quite there with him being a good enough shot maker and passer to to do that consistently um where I think he's gonna get like not that I don't think he's gonna get a lot of opportunities in the NBA but um I do think like there it puts a little bit of a cap on how I see him um but again like I think some of that stuff a either he just shoots way better than I'm expecting, which is entirely possible, but um, like, it's just, it is tougher for me to see it with him a little bit in that same mold. Like, I still think he's a, is a very solid prospect and I would have him in my first round for sure, but um, it makes it a little bit harder to like, we're talking about in this vein of like seeing him more as a secondary operating offense. It is a little bit harder to picture with him. You're muted. (laughs) The thing with Hardy that I'm, like wish I could buy into more. I just find like, I find myself looking for, and this is with all prospects. How many ways can you like, if this doesn't work, do you have option B, C and D to fall back on? And that's, I think what I find myself end up being a little bit lower with Hardy is that if the shooting isn't the shooting, what else am I like really working with here for uh, in terms of being a valuable complementary piece that can work within my offense? Because as we said, the handle is great, but if we're talking about attacking closeouts and running quick second side actions, it becomes more about decisiveness and process and that instant burst when you're attacking rather than can you break someone down off the dribble on ISO? Because I think we can both agree He's not someone that you're going to like really entrust with large creation loads inside the arc, just because like, it's not necessarily going to get to the rim and the playmaking is fine, but it's not like great, great. 
So then that handle, I don't want to say it becomes squandered, but it becomes less functional when you're operating in this certain role, which is going to ask you to do certain things that are rely on attacking quickly and proficiently and hitting gaps quickly and hitting gaps hard rather than sizing up guys and hitting them with counters. Now I do, it's still very important to have these counters. Like if he's attacking, gets walled off, can go behind the back and then get to a spot. So extremely important. I just think from a skill set standpoint, it's a little bit less valuable. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think one of the things that I'm really interested to see with him too is uh, not that I think like he's randomly going to get more lift uh, as a, as a jumper, but um I do think he is among the best in terms of his craft getting to the rim. Like his footwork is really damn good, but a lot is just going to be, are there counters? Are there other touch things that he has around the rim? Does he find more like, does like, is there some kind of athletic increase that happens, which I would not bank on. Like, I I don't think if you're banking on that for one guy, you're banking on that for everybody. And it's just like, I don't really think it works like that. Um, So I, I do think like that is stuff that's worth noting and like being interested in, like, if Jaden Hardy was six foot four or six foot five, like he would be top 10 in this draft or close to it. Do you really think so? Do you think so? Honestly, I don't, cause I don't think I'm there. I like, think if like, he was six, five, maybe. Okay. I'm lottery for sure. I think maybe six, 10, uh, top 10 is probably not the wrong way to put it. Like I know that the process still isn't amazing, but like to me, if you get somebody with that size who has the skills that he possesses in terms of getting them, because if you just think about it, like he'd probably be better at the rim. He would have more. I'm doing way too much hypothetical here, but I'm just saying like, this is where it gets difficult. Like he's so, so skilled, but it's just, um, it just, the margins are harder to put it together. Yeah. That's uh, it's the margins for me. When you are, when you are hindered by the lack of burst, the lack of lift um, and just the overall processing stuff in general, like it's good. It's going to have to be the pull-up shooting for me. It's even if he was six, five, it would still have to be the pull-up shooting because that's still how he's winning. And like, I, I just, I don't necessarily get, you know, I hate when we like compare prospects. I think it's kind of, it's like kind of useless, but the bet for Hardy is very similar to the bet for Ty Ty with me is that these guys aren't necessarily like, they're not necessarily incredibly proficient at the rim. You're going to win from pull-up shooting, whether that be in the mid range area or behind the arc. And the passing is like functional, but it's nothing that'll blow your mind away. One of them is, has a much better shooting profile. One of them is much better defense. Um, I think Hardy's a little bit bigger, but I don't necessarily think the size is enough to really cover uh, or make up for the, the uh, strides that Ty Ty gains on him in the other aspects. So that that's just kind of my thing is like, if you're going to make the pull-up shooting bet, I'd rather just side with Ty Ty or even someone like Branham um, for different reasons. But yeah, that's kind of my uh, take on Hardy. I mean, I, do you want to like have anything to add defense uh, burst, anything? No. I think that's good. Like, I think that's that's part of just what's what's difficult too is like the burst isn't awesome, but also I think like he kind of squanders some of his own possessions too. Like, I think, um, and again, I don't mean that to sound rude, but like there are times where like, especially earlier in the year where he would catch the ball um, wide open from three in the corner, and then he would end up holding it for a second and then going into a sidestep after a hard closeout comes, like things like that. Where especially if you are a slower or less like dominant athlete like you need to do things really quickly to try and make the most of the window that you do have um so i think that's another one of the areas where i would be a little bit held up to for sure for sure uh you want to move on to our next guy yes we'll talk about somebody who i we need to talk about more just in the draft class in general is kennedy chandler um he is 
so fun. I, I still don't know entirely how to parse things out with him. So I'm glad we're doing this today. Um, I'll let you roll right away. Where are you at with Kennedy coming into this? So Kennedy is someone who I'm kind of just like, I was really high on him earlier in the cycle. And then I kind of didn't watch him as much just because I feel like that's what happens when you watch someone. So like often early yeah. in the cycle, it's like, Oh, I need to watch the, all, all the other guys. So when coming back to him, he's just like consistently impresses me. And it's just like a really damn good basketball player. Obviously the in, in ignorable elephant in the room is that he's just super small. Like I don't, he is six foot, six feet tall. Like I don't think he's much bigger and he's super skinny. So while he's ridiculously good at all the small guard stuff, small guard stuff to compensate for that size and win in unique ways, size is tough on both ends. And, and like being that small just invites a shit ton of hurdles that make your life very, very difficult. But with Kennedy, like he's drawing real advantages consistently and he has good craft finishes at the rim. I think he's the best passer of the group. The reason I want to talk about him because he is much smaller, like he's more point guard esque than all the other guys we're talking about is the off ball projection with like the catch and shoot threes and the closeout attacking. And maybe the, and I'm like pretty enthralled with the idea of putting him alongside bigger creators where they, you know, a more established team in the middle to late first has their wing or big creator and is now looking for guards to complement and just be able to win in certain areas, whether it be attacking closeouts, running second side actions, being a transition handler, and then just being a plus guard defender, which I think he is. So I give that's like my overall outlook, but what's your take? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm in the same boat as you. I think he's um, a lot is just trying to think about where he's at with the shot. Um, like, and that comes in with the, the you know, speaking about um, size as well. Like, what I'm trying to think how I want to go about this. Like, because, all right, so, like, we've talked about this before, too. Like, he has real pop around the rim. Like, yeah, he's very capable of finishing through contact. Um, or I shouldn't necessarily say he's capable of finishing through contact, but he's very capable of getting up around contact and at least being able to draw fouls at the rim. Um where are you at with the shooting though? Cause I think that is the biggest thing talking about the shooting where you're at with, you know, how, cause we've seen time and time again, how size can have factors on guys trying to get shots in the league. So I think from just a general, like a shooting ability, I think he is able. And that was something I was consistently surprised by when I turned on the high school film was just the rate in which he was making shots. And I think that continued in college. Like he still shot in the high thirties from three, but I there I would be lying if I said I wasn't worried though about the combination of his size and the kind of load time. This is something we talked about last time he was on there when we spoke about him. The load time and like the pocket in which he needs to get the shot yeah. into could definitely arise some issues when we're talking about NBA defenders, to NBA size, and the windows and the speed of the game. Just like all that kind of shrinking his time to release it, and then. Compat like I think speeding up his release. I hate work really reworking shot mechanics that don't necessarily need to be reworked from a percentage or ability standpoint. But I do think speeding up that release is probably in his best interest. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, like it it needs to get faster because we look at um like I I don't remember if we've done this one before, but like it's very similar to me like looking at somebody like Monte Morris in the NBA who would. Like all the yeah. time, like people will bring up like, oh, well, if he just shot more threes, I'm like, okay, well, the problem is why he doesn't shoot more threes. Like 
he's not comfortable getting enough of a window to get himself to, to get more threes off for himself. Like it's just a lot harder for him. And I do think it, it's not saying like, he's going to have the exact same issue, but like, that is a thing with, with being a smaller guard, even if you do have really good touch and a good shot, like quickness, you're able to get it up with and variety you're able to get off with is going to matter a lot. Absolutely. So what else, what else did you really want to hit on with his playmaking? Cause I think this is when he, where he could differentiate himself if he is entrusted with a little bit more of an off ball role, he's shown the ability to drive and make reads beyond the laydown. And I think that's something that all the guys we've talked about so far somewhat struggle with. And I think like while Kennedy isn't, we were kind of spoiled with the playmakers in last year's class, just mm-hmm. because they were so freaking good. And I don't think Kennedy necessarily stacks up with them, but in terms of the passers we're working with this in this class, like definitely one of the better playmakers uh, that we've scouted all year. Where do you see him adding value, but in more of an off ball role where he's kind of attacking closeouts or operating on defenses that are already a little bit tilted and then being able to use that playmaking prowess to kind of, you know, use like hit kick out to read backside help and kind of kill that in a different manner than the guys we've talked about so far. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, he is the best passer of the bunch. Um, what I'd actually love to see is him be more aggressive as a playmaker. Um, like a yeah, friend of ours I pointed agree. out to us, like, you know, just um, I think that sometimes he doesn't try and force the issue, which I wish he would more. Um, but like he's so good at getting two feet in the paint. Um, like I think probably the best out of this entire group at getting two feet into the paint, which matters yeah. a ton to me. Um, although the floater is not awesome for him right now, if I remember correctly. Do I have that noted down correct? Right. So I'm keep going while I pull up these stats, but <laughs> that you. was, was that was say, no, that, notes, that was, yeah, it was a big point of emphasis for him, for me, for him coming into uh, college was yeah. ironing that out and making it a extremely set in stone facet of his game. Because while he is like, I mean, I've posted my fair share of Kenny Chandler scoop, goof like scoop finishes you don't always want to rely on that and having a sound floater as we talked about for guards especially if you're going to be proficient in getting into the paint can be so so valuable so keep i let me see i'm going to try to find these as quickly as possible but i do think i because i remember when i was writing about him earlier in the year i talked about how he had slightly improved on that in terms of my outlook from high school but that was obviously like a very long time ago. Okay. I have it pulled up here. So uh, on runners, he's, they have it classified as average 32% on 37 attempts, 6.6 point, 0.65 points per possession. Not great. Yeah, no, that's not awesome. Um, although I do think like, I don't want to say like developing a floater is like the easiest thing in the world, but I do think like that's something that can be done for sure. Um, like, I guess the, to the level of efficacy is, is where it becomes a question, but I do think like it could get to a point where it's good enough. Um, but again, like the actually getting to the rim part that he does do have in his bag is pretty good. Um, I think I'm trying to like, like what's interesting to me with him is like, like we've talked about too. I think again, out of this group, he is the best at doing the quick, quick actions, like doing the little things that are quick, like. He's awesome at kickstarting the offense and transition with kickaheads. He's great at just establishing pace of play and getting down quickly. Um, my one of my favorite things about him 
that I, I like even with him not taking as many threes as I think we wanted this year, like not that he didn't take a lot, but I think, you know, a roughly four per game, you wish it was higher. Um, yeah. Like he's really good at just like quick ball reversals and moving to get himself open again. Like I love stuff like that. And especially in an offense where he's a I real think, relocator. Yeah. He's really good at that. And I think that makes me higher on who he could be as a shooter for sure. One thing I did want to ask you though, like, I don't think it bothers me as much. Where are you at with how wonky the free throw numbers were this year? How bad were they? I don't know. Uh, 60% of the season, 54% in conference play. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I'm like full disclosure. You hear my reaction on the screen. I did yeah. not know it was that bad. And yeah. yeah, that's not great. I've, I've tried to do the, uh, well, it doesn't matter as much if they're just making threes and, Usually more times than not, good for good three good shooters don't miss free throws at that rate. So that's definitely something I need to recalibrate and look into. I I had known it wasn't great. I did not know it ended up being that bad. Yeah, I, and exactly like I'm not sure what to make of that. I do think like it's worth noting like there are just some guys who are not good at it. Like Davion Mitchell, I think someone disagree with me. I think like he's established himself as a three point shooter now, especially through his time in the league. A lot's going to depend on how this next year goes to have like that real three-year basis of being a pretty viable shooter. But mm-hmm. free throw line was still a problem for him this year. Like it just, I don't really know what it is, uh, but it is a thing. But the three has been there. So um, I'd imagine it's kind of the same for Kennedy. I'd have to go back and watch more of his high school tape um, and get some of the numbers from there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're probably in lockstep with that. I do want to hit on the defense before we move on to our last guy, because the defense with him isn't like what it is with Ty Ty, where I do think Ty Ty is good, but it's more sound. Like he makes rotations. He's more physical than you would expect him to be. He can hold his own against bigger guards, maybe even smaller wings. With Kennedy, despite being really small, he is so damn good there. And it's on and off the ball, like super quick and has he great feet on screen the ball, too. Yeah, navigates screens well, is super quick, has light feet. And then off the ball, his instincts are wild and his hands are ridiculously accurate. Like when he's the amount of times that he's like been in the weak side corner and they throw a post entry and he just does like the free safety thing where you he undercuts it, swipes it and is off to the races. It's so much fun to watch. And I think it's going to be interesting to see, especially the next level. I mean, as a rookie, like he's so small and it's not just the height, it's the weight as well. Like mm-hmm. super skinny, needs to put weight on immediately but to see if he can still be effective with those instincts and hands because i mean that's always been a part of who he was as a point guard but that's something i'm really interested to see if it scales up and if it really it takes a little bit more time as he gets acclimated physically but the defense uh, and hands in particular are, are pretty nutty yeah yeah no i agree i like I think that's another thing that makes me hire him. Like he does all the little things that make me just like be more excited about who he could be in the NBA. Cause he tries to minimize where he can, where he has weaknesses. Um, if I remember correctly too, doesn't he draw a lot of charges? I haven't watched him in a minute, but like, if I remember correctly, like. Not um, maybe a couple here and there. I, I don't know. It's not something it's like a Jalen Williams type where I'm just like, well, okay. That stick. there's, there's drawing a lot of charges. <laughs> I guess if that's my bar. Yeah. Watch list for charges. <laughs> That's yeah. No. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to hit on with him before we get out? Of no, here? that was mainly it. It, it. The main it's like we should 
in the class where I think we're all somewhat struggling a little bit to find what we're trying to bet on, I've kind of done the thing where I've circled back. I've gone through all the prospects. I've made their pitch. I've spent a day thinking about how they could be the one. And then I circle back to the guy who's really good at basketball and has always been really good and has size differentiated, has size hurdles, but as you said, knows how to minimize them to the fullest extent and also is like has continued to add to his game as a shooter. And I think there's definitely a role for him at the next level. Yeah, he's uh he's kind of the case for me where I think I'm gonna bump him up just because he's a good basketball player, which sounds like again, it sounds minute, but like I just think like I I I feel more comfortable betting on him just because I I think he is a good basketball player and he does these things that that make it a little bit more viable for him to to get run. So, so we'll see with that for sure. Last guy we want to hit on is somebody who I like, I feel like we just haven't talked about in a minute. And that's Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. Um, Love Johnny Davis. I think I said earlier because I hadn't scrolled all the way down the list. uh, Malachi would be my second highest in this group. Like Johnny's still, easily top 10 for me um and i can see him going you know pretty decently high in that as well but like yeah where do you want to get started with this one it's underrated why do we get bored of good basketball players like, why because he plays for cycle? wisconsin okay that's that's the i'm sorry okay. to do it but it's wisconsin no, and also to be fair like he ended the year really rough yeah. he could not make shots and if a tough shot maker doesn't make shots, if we're going to do the same thing with Jaden Hardy, why should you not be as worried for Johnny Davis? Like that is, I'm sure what some rational listeners saying, and you're absolutely entitled. And that is, you're entitled to that. And that's completely correct. Johnny Davis's offensive uh, context and structure is, I is completely stark to the role in which we're pitching all these prospects now, where they are working off of other players who are capable of creating advantages and bending the defense. And then they are able to then attack that in a technical manner. Johnny Davis did not get to do much of that. And it was a lot of, Hey, one go bail us out. And we need a bucket. Go get us one. Um, He did get something like he got his fair share of pick and roll, but it was a lot of isolation stuff. And mm-hmm. Chucky Hepburn, Brad Davison were really good for Wisconsin at, at stretches, but it wasn't, they weren't bending defenses. They were kind of just making shots and hitting floaters, getting to the rim a little bit here and there. There was no one else that was really pressuring the defense consistently and drawing advantages for Johnny to operate. So it ended up with him just going, getting absolutely swarmed because defenses realized he was basically, if, if he was going to struggle, then Wisconsin was going to actually struggle. And so I think that can slightly be explained by like the shooting numbers to end the year. However, Johnny's just really skilled as a creator and knows how to get to spots. His footwork, his his screen setups are incredible. He's a re- like the best in the class, best in the country at rejecting screens, uh, just reading defenders, getting to spots. And I think these are all skills that can be extrapolated into a rescinded and smaller role, reading defenders' feet, feet on closeouts. Like the mo- one of the most infuriating things to watch is when guys don't read the closeout correctly and they just drive into the defender when the other way was completely open. I think, as you've said, like that can be minute, but Johnny just reads defenders footwork really freaking well and knows how to counter that and get to spots. So he's someone that I think when we we mentioned like scaling down, I just think he has a lot more off ball stuff and capabilities than he was able to show just because of what Wisconsin asked out of him. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing to, to talk about. Like you have most of these guys that we've talked about are like, yes, they're scaling down, but like, 
the level that Johnny's going to scale down is nuts. I'm trying to pull it up right now. I mean, yeah, his usage percentage was 32 and a half percent, um, which is sizable compared to what else we're looking at. Um, it, it's not everything, but again, like I think like he's not somebody who necessarily is creating a ton of easy shots, but that's part of what is interesting about him. I think a lot's just going to depend on the shooting, but I, I mean, that's a good point to turn over. Where are you at on the shooting? He's a tough shot maker. And, and I think he ran into a really tough stretch at the end of the year and got a little cold. I still buy it though, especially as a mid range creator. One thing I really want him to do, and this was, kind of what I was banging the tables on all year from Wisconsin is shoot more threes. Like when, when he was given the opportunity, I think he just felt such a burden to create. And a lot of it ended in like one dribble pull-ups that went in a lot of times, but other times didn't. And I just like shoot, catch and shoot threes, space the defense, make them even more conscious to draw another for that or, or to close out even harder. So that I can open up your drive game. I, bu- I buy the mid range shooting, like ultimately mm-hmm. if the tough shot again, Johnny's not making shots. The whole thing becomes a little tough, at least on the offensive end. Uh, I do want to talk about the defense because I think he's the best defender on this sheet and one of the more underrated defenders in the class is, but I do believe in the mid-range shooting. And if you can knock down threes at a decent rate as well, um, I, I think that would really, really open things up. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think I'm just more, um, I mean, just like you mentioned, like looking at Wisconsin's spacing overall and the way that he got played by defenses, I'm not really um, – what's the best way to put it? I want to say, like, I'm not scared about his shot profile or anything, but I think it's just more like I think it will look better for him in the NBA. Um, obviously, there's some things that he needs to clean up shot-wise that would make it better, but um, – Shot selection is real with yeah. him. Like, there, there are definitely – you know, it's tough to say – it's it's a tough and fine line, and it's something I you know like argued with my friends all Wisconsin basketball season. Is when Johnny, you can't say we love Johnny when he's hitting the tough shots and he's missing them. He's taking terrible shots. You, we like we can't be results oriented like that. Either you hate the mid range pull ups or you love them. And I do think, with that being said, and as someone who is going to, you know, have enough of a big outlook to take the games where he's missing them and Wisconsin's losing and just take those on the chin and move forward. However, I do think there are occurrences throughout the games all season long where he does settle a little bit and where I would like him to kind of force the issue a little bit more and maybe get downhill and try to get to the free throw line or, you know, lean into the defense before like, and actually try to create space before just taking like this two drill pull up. That's ultra contested. I do think he got a little bit comfortable taking some questionable shots because that's what, again, what Wisconsin needed from him. I don't think it's necessarily like a bad habit of his. He's a tough shot maker. Always has been like you watch the high school film. That's what it is. It's like, he didn't necessarily deviate from who he was though. I do think there is room for growth to kind of push the envelope a little bit more and be more aggressive in some areas. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think a lot of that too is how his playmaking grows. Cause I wouldn't say that he's like the least advanced playmaker of the group, but he's especially like he's somebody who you send the double at and he's not going to like freak out with the ball, but he's not routine. I do think he got better as the year went on that in, you know, in turn while the shooting dipped, I think his playmaking did substantially improve as the year went on. Um, It would be something. And that's been something I've like been pretty passionate about. Graphic design and Johnny Davis, your passion. Uh, but yeah, no, okay, that's a fair point. I, I'll be honest, I haven't watched as much late stage Wisconsin, so I need to catch up on that still. But um, that is good to note. How do you feel about his playmaking overall and where it's going? 
I mean, it's obviously driven by the scoring gravity. Like that is nothing new. I mean, he's not necessarily out here manipulating coverages, but I, I think, you know, a big thing for scores and guys, especially who are going to draw a ton of attention in the mid range area, the prolific mid range shooters is not necessarily waiting until you're doubled or waiting until you're contested to make the pass, but anticipating that the help is coming and then getting off the ball before like while they're still caught in no man's land. I think that's the leap he made earlier in the year. It was a lot of, if they double me, then I'm going to, I can pass from where the help is coming from and we'll get a layup as the year went on. I think it's, I think it was really tough for him to still find a way to efficiently play make with this ridiculous amount of defensive attention that was thrown at him. However, I do think there were real flashes of anticipating overzealous defenses and then making them pay with, with uh, interior passes. Okay. Yes. I would agree with that. I love his interior passing, um, which is where I'm at with him. Like, I think that a, a lot of us can be like, how do the rest of his pick and roll race develop? But I like what he does when he gets to the rim. Um, and I think like you've, uh, we, we've kind of alluded to it a little bit. I think he's the best off ball mover on the list by a decent margin. Would you agree with that? Off ball mover on the list. I think him and Casey probably. Yeah. I was gonna say It's him or Kennedy in my opinion, yeah. but like when you, when you pair up the size and what the shooting potential is, I think like I'm very in on what that could be. And then that, that goes into talking about the defense. Like he's easily the best defender of the group. Um, easily. Like, Absolutely. I, I, I don't want to say that his defense has been undersold, but I think a lot of it gets made to like, well, he's mostly like a one ish positional defender. Like, I mean, yes, he guards ones and twos, but I also think like he will have a little bit of ability to play up. I think lineups. he can guard some. I think he'll be able to guard some threes. Yeah, uh, at the next level. No, I agree. Like he's super strong. I know his wingspan is an elite, but like he's just very good positionally. Um, so I I believe in him as a defender quite a bit, which makes me really excited about him. I think a lot is going to depend on who is his backcourt partner. What does the rest of the roster look like? Um, but I think he's definitely somebody like. It's always easy to be like, oh well, imagine him playing alongside Nikola Jokic. But I just like. I just picture him in a motion heavy offense where he gets to do a lot of stuff operating off the ball that maybe it parlays into doing more things on the ball. Like obviously if you're taking him in the top 10, like that's the hope, like he can become somebody who does more stuff for you. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's where I'm at with him right now. Like I like him a lot. I'm very intrigued by who he could be as an off ball scorer and grow into more of the, the tough shot making mold. Um, but yeah. Did you have anything else you want to hit on with him? No, that was kind of it. I think we kind of hit it all. Um, did you have anything else to add? I, I think this is an interesting lens that I think could be viewed with some other prospects, guys like Blake Wesley, Ben Matherin. So maybe we'll come back for a little part two of this mm-hmm. TBD, but uh, just know Mark and I have a lot of plans for the next six weeks as we approach the draft and then maybe into grassroots season as well. So yeah, uh, I think that's all I got. If you had anything else, keep plug all your stuff especially stuff about the w which has been awesome everyone should read about you getting roasted about black Air <laughs> yeah uh yes so i uh boo williams legend shakira austin absolutely grilled me for wearing black hair <laughs> in, uh, in an interview i did with her yesterday if you want to check that out that's pinned on my twitter um she plays for the washington mystics she's fantastic she's gonna be really good i definitely recommend checking her out um yeah i've been doing part of the reason why i was so busy last week i W season started. I started working over at WMB.com, which was awesome, but also I've been slammed uh, keeping up with everything. But now, like with the playoffs starting to wind down a little bit, I'm kind of grooving back in. I'm going to be going back through watching some more draft stuff. We have the lottery in less than a week. I think the lottery is yeah. five days from now, which is insane. Yeah. Um, 
we are thinking about doing some fun for the draft TBD on that, but we, uh, we will, we'll be back with you guys on that. If you haven't already follow us on Twitter, Jake at Jake in the paint, me at MG underscore Schindler. Also the pod over at tag the role, um, rate and review us over on Apple podcasts and on Spotify as well. We always want to hear from you and get your feedback. We will have some more good stuff hitting you soon. Thank you for listening. Most importantly, have a good rest of your day.